My name is Richard Morellis, and I want to welcome you to the Prison Post. This is your podcast for conversations surrounding the need to reform prisons from the perspective of formerly incarcerated people, community members, and leaders in the restorative justice movement. The Prison Post will feature an episode every Wednesday with people who are in the fight to restore lives and heal communities. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prison Post. My name is Richard Morellis. I'm here with uh, my colleague and co-host, Jason Bryant, whose title nice used to be the fastest man on the yard, but now it did. <laughs> it did. You're talking like you're, you're talking like like 2002 though. <laughs> hey, we're almost yeah. in 2022. That that title's long been retired. <laughs> we're uh, getting to the age where people don't believe those stories anymore. Like you were yeah. fast. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jay's a director of restorative programs. He's leading our Ready for Life program. We're super excited to have Elgin Rose on the show with us. What's up, Elgin? What's up, Rich? What's up, Jason? Hey, good to be with you. Elgin is uh, 29 years old, right, Elgin? Yes, sir. He's a father yeah. of two beautiful girls. He's from San Francisco, is a gamer, loves food. You wouldn't yes. know by, by, by as thin as he is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can put it away, man. Uh, metabolism ain't slowed down yet, so. <laughs> okay. Well, Enjoy it while it lasts. Enjoy it while it lasts. Oh, I am. Please believe that. I am. <laughs> But Algin uh, is definitely a man who has dreams. His dream is to have a great career in tech so that he could be able to provide for his uh, beautiful daughters and have the ability to travel the, wor- travel the world someday. It's good to be with you, Algin. It's good to be with y'all this, uh, this afternoon as well. It's a beautiful day outside, uh, but it's kind of hot. So I'm, you know, I'm inclined to the air conditioned unit that I, that I call yes. my apartment, you know? <laughs> right. Thank God, Thank God yeah. for AC. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so Elgin, uh, there's a you have a talent, and uh, it became aware to us when we were doing. Um, it was it was a, a a community event where we were contributing to another organization, raising some money, and you joined us, and you sh- you shared with us uh, this amazing talent you have. And then before you, because I, I, I want to hear a couple of your your new impersonations. Yeah. But you actually you actually gave me a tremendous gift. I mean, we're gonna call it a gift. But, uh, but I, at the same time, it might be a, a curse. You actually developed a little bit of an impersonation of me. <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> which, which I heard is pretty spot on. So, but we'll, we'll, we'll bear our, um, our viewers and our listeners from hearing any other version of me for right now. And, <laughs> and, and we'll, we'll ask you to, to, to share a couple of your, your, newest, uh, your newest work with impersonations. Okay, so uh, for one, I'm a um, huge hip hop head, and, um, and I'm a '90s baby at all, and at heart. So um, I was devastated when we lost DMX this year. So you know, but in his memory, I, I found some humorous moments. So you know, I was walking down the street. You know, it was me and my man's probably gonna get a hot dog or something. I seen Shorty walk by, and she was real jazzy. So I had to growl it. I was like, Ur. I was like, yeah. <laughs> my man. <laughs> That's right. And my, uh, my more famous one, my more famous one, y'all heard, I'll let y'all know it right now, but I love, I'm a superhero fiend, superhero comics, and I, I love the Joker, so. All I want to know is, where is the Batman? Please, tell me. Nobody has to die. Just let me know where the Bat is. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good, dude. That is such a, that is such a good job, Elgin. <laughs> Definitely have uh, a talent there. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It's always fun to learn when someone has a secret talent and uh, you uh, you continue to work on it. I never heard the <laughs> today, but um, 
Uh, exclusive, man. I had to come exclusive for y'all, man. Yep, yep, yep. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, perhaps one of these days, you, you got a good 20-minute uh, spot or something, and uh, 20 minutes of them, and hit that comedy. That comedy yeah, uh, man. man, I'll be there. Man, I love I love to laugh and love making people laugh. That reaction I just got from y'all, that's everything. That's the only thing I look for. You know? Yeah, that's right. That's it. And Elgin, um, you're you're the fifth associate, ready for life associate, uh, to join us on our podcast. And one of our goals is to have all of our associates uh, be on the podcast to tell their story, introduce them to the world. And um, you know, one of the things that I, I admired about you, learning about you early on was that you're a single dad like you I we've, we've been on zoom now for three months and uh we've had we've had the privilege of hearing you be a dad uh during the zooms and uh we've we've seen your beautiful girls in the picture a few times uh, in the in the background uh wondering what daddy's doing but what is single fatherhood like how did that come about uh 29 years old to how old are they and 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 um, well, um, my kids, uh, my daughters, my oldest daughter is three. She just turned three May 18th. My youngest just turned two April 6th. So, so, um, they're pretty young. I had, um, in 2018, my youngest, my oldest was born and like prior, like I believe three months or two or three months after my second daughter was born, me and her mom, me and their mom just, it didn't work, you know? And and it, it, I mean, for a second, like, you know, it was kind of like, well, like, damn, here's this type. Because, like, I, I, I believe, like, the firm thing of belief is when you have a kid with somebody, you got an idea of what you're trying to do with, with life, you know? So the idea of us having, having to get apart and then try to raise two kids at the same time was like, it, it, it was hectic. It was hectic at first. But um, with the help of me being persistent and the grace of God and just the willingness of me wanting to have my kids around me, I've been able to, um, I unfortunately had to uh, deal with family court because a lot of things wasn't going right on my end as far as me spending equal time with my kids. And I didn't want to have to go that route, but it turned out to be the best route. I've had my kids every week since. And it's been hard. It's, it's sometimes hard, you know, like I um, sometimes maintaining diapers and stuff like that. And but I love it, though. At the same time, I love it. I learn something new every day from them. They're, they, they're just sponges and so smart. They just soak up everything. Everything like they, I don't know if you guys hear them. They're in the background right now, giggling. They're supposed to be napping, but they're taking advantage of me at work. They know what's going on right now. So, <laughs> but but it's it, it's an experience that I wouldn't trade in for the world. You know, like even the days where it's stressful, when it's so stressful, I know on the flip side, I'm helping raise two functional adults that can be whatever in the world that they want to be. So that's that's how I look at it every single day. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and you know, I just want to chime in because I'm a father of two young boys. I have a, a two-year-old and a and an eleven-month-old. And there's days where I feel like, you know, I'm pulling out what little bit of hair I have left. And I got help. I got, you know, I've got my wife. So I, I definitely just want to and one plus one uh Rich's uh, uh admiration uh for, for what you're doing um as a single dad. I I have some idea. But, you know, if, if, if it wasn't for my wife, I think I probably would have uh, jumped off the fifth tier by now. <laughs> um, if you guys could give me like a millisecond to just get them to lay down. Sure. Hey. That's that's part of life. 
Yeah. Down. What is um? Well, 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 before Alger there comes back. All right. Part of part of life. Part of being dad. Yeah. Yep. So uh, good work, Algin. Uh, I like that. There's no quitting you. Um, and uh, come what may, I'm gonna I'm gonna raise these, raise these girls to be the best and to know that anything's possible for them. And that's largely one of our philosophies with crop organization, ready for life. Anything's possible. No matter if you're justice involved, you may have been incarcerated. Uh, I know at one time, like like Jason and I, you were incarcerated at one time, but that doesn't limit you to what you can do and who you can be and, and, the, and the light you can bring to the world. And I see you doing that in your lives. Elgin, what about being incarcerated uh, early on in life? I mean, man, you look about 18 years old, even though I know you're 29. <laughs> man. Uh, man, I, um, the first, my first incarceration, um, well, I got removed from my home and I was in foster care. I became a ward of the state, uh, the, the court, a ward of the state or whatever that's called at like a young age. So I, um, I was in a group home the first time I went to juvie. I think I was about 14 and pretty much it's been that, that, that was my life until my first daughter was born. Like, you know, like dead, like that's what it was in and out, in and out, back and forth, in and out. And just coming out and to readjust to society, how society's society advances fast, as fast as humans do. So it was just, and just now that I look back, I feel like it wasn't that long ago, but it's like, yo, these like they, I'm, a lot of years, I'm 29, I'll be 30 in November. And it's a lot of years that's just been going by like that when I just feel like, a couple years ago, I was just in a group home waiting to get, uh, waiting uh, uh, for somebody to come pick me up or something like that, you know? So it's crazy how that, that um, and my parents always told me like, yo, one day life is just going to pass by and you're going to be 30 and you don't even know it. Boy, was they not lying. <laughs> it was not lying, you know? And uh, a lot of stuff I took for granted, but uh, I learned a lot as well coming, you know, everything is a blessing and a lesson. You know, that's how I look at it, so. That's awesome. You know, uh, I remember my mom saying uh, and other moms saying, wait till you have kids, then you're going to get it. And uh, and, you know, you mentioned in and out until uh, my first daughter came. Was that your aha moment? Was that your transformational moment? Do you remember that day? You know, what, what where were you at? What, what happened there when you made a new decision oh. and, and turned your back on that old lifestyle? Like, it's crazy. Like, one would have thought, like, after I got, uh, after I went to prison, that I would, like, coming home from prison would stop me from, you know, and that didn't stop me. Like, you know, I would feel like, okay, yeah, whatever. I just went up there, gained a little bit of weight, uh, got a little clearer in the face, but my mentality wasn't changed at all. Like, everything, like, my mentality was like, I still got to get fast money. I still got to eat. I still got to do this. And I really didn't have no, it wasn't no cause for what I was doing. So when I found out that I was still, when I was going to be a father, I was like, okay, now I need to grind overtime. And I'm still, I was still BSing, you know, telling myself I'm grinding because I got a baby on the way. And, and it didn't really hit me until I was in, in the delivery room, you know, like when she came out mm -hmm. and then I see, I was like, and then like, you know, a lot of babies come out crying and, you know, and just, no, not, not my daughter. No, she just came out eyes wide open, just staring around. She stared eyes. She locked eyes with me, and she smiled. She was smiling the day she came out. No lie, I have this on pictures. 
I'll share it with you guys in class. I have this one. When she came out, she locked eyes with me and smiled at me. When she did that shit, that's that was the yeah. It's over. <laughs> it's over. That's, like you know, it ain't no way you can't risk. You can't risk this. She came out and looked exactly for you. She heard your voice for nine months in there, and she came out and locked eyes with you. Like, oh, this is you. Mm. I know. You. And then that right then at that moment, I was like, yeah. It's it's that's, yeah. It's game that's time now. That's an amazing testimony, and you yep. know I've shared this story before, but I'm I'm gonna share it again. Just the power of like what it means to have another human being who you're responsible for, and who mm -hmm. depends upon you. Like I had done 19 years in prison, and you know for the most part, you know there was there was challenges, there were struggles. I mean you're going to sleep every night in in a six six by nine, but in my 19th year, that's when my first son was born. And it was, it was just like you said, that first time that, you know, my wife brought him to a family visit where I met him for the first time and I held him and I locked eyes with him. And he looked at me right in the eyes, much like Elgin is saying his daughter locked eyes, locked her eyes uh, with him. And time started getting real hard for me. Time started getting hard. And the, the last year and some change that I did was a, a real struggle. Like I, there was times where I would call Rich and mm -hmm. be in tears. Like I need to be home. Um, you know, my son needs me, my wife needs me. And, uh, so I definitely, uh, can, can relate to that experience of, you know, not only I got to do right by him, but I got to be with them. I got to be with them to, to, to help them, uh, along this journey of their life. Yeah. Cause it was like, really, it was like a lot of, sh a lot of stuff I was doing was like, you know, without any purpose, like whatever, like it's whatever's happening to me, whatever happened to me, like, you know, it really wasn't no cause like, I really wasn't tripping off it. I was young, reckless, wild, but now with somebody I got to make it home to that is looking for me. You know, and then right. I was like, you know, this is a person that's always going to love me and look for me and look up to everything that I do. Like I'm their superhero, you know, so it's like I can't even I can't even move like that no more. One false move is just, you know, and then I'll just be another statistic. We already as men of color as mm -hmm. bad raps for being father as it is, you know, so it's like I'm not trying to be another one to add to that statistic at all. You know, mm -hmm. I'm a, I want to give them the life that I never had, you know, so that's awesome. Imagine. Let's talk about um, while on the inside and the outside, incarceration and reentry. And, you know, while, while you're on the inside, and we've, we've had these similar conversations before. You got to go? Okay. So we've had these conversations in the inside, you know, in terms of being in there and the support that is either there or not there inside the, the prison system. What, do you feel that it was, uh, like, conducive to changing your life? Were there opportunities there? And uh, if there was something that you could fix about the system, what would it be? Um, I would say a lot of, like a lot of the time that I did incarcerated, a lot of their rehabilitation or reentry services was like, their idea was here, we're just gonna put you in this SRO like uh, you know, if you guys know the SRO is a sink a single room a single room occupancy here. We just put you there, and if you're mm -hmm. familiar with San Francisco, they're like here. We'll put you in the tenderloin. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not under like you know. I never understood the quite logic of that. Like you know, and I'm wonder like where's these classes to help me learn things? Like you know, y'all sent y'all sentenced me to like I did a term of three years. I did three years, um, San Quentin and Solano, and not one. I didn't have a class. Like we had Mac reps in, in our, in our, in our dorms and stuff, 
that did little ha that organized stuff on their own to try to give us you know but they, there was never no like institutionalized where oh yeah here's this class to help you gain these skills or nothing like that so i kind of say that that was lack i didn't really receive too much help i got the help mainly like from people that i like i knew like you know mm. i didn't really i didn't really i wouldn't say that like the re i don't i don't understand what the rehabilitation process is or what they designed it i don't know what it's intended to be but it didn't really I, i've just seen people just get coming back and forth back and forth back and forth so like what are you guys doing here like you know and i never understood that and i've never understood what the angle was like you know it's just it just baffles me there's, there's a couple things i want to say first and foremost if those precious girls of yours need your attention don't feel bad about breaking away that's priority number one okay we'll, we'll keep we'll keep the tape rolling Number two, you spoke about something that's that's really important, I think. You said that while the institution itself didn't really provide the programs, there right. were people that you could go to. And and I think it's 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 instructive for us because one of the things that we always talk about is the importance of, of proximate leadership or or people who have experienced the struggles that many of our incarcerated population currently deal with. And it sounds to me that Elgin had this resource in San Quentin. Um, and, I, and I would argue that it's at most institutions that if someone really wants to change their life, there's other people who are wearing blue, just like them, who are also taking those steps and looking to give some type of mentorship or peer support, or at the very least have a conversation about what's wanted and what's needed to, to reenter society in a responsible way. Is that true for you? Exactly. Like I, it, like it was rare, like I, it's so many people that was incarcerated that was their own lawyers, their own, like, you know, it was facilitated. I'm like, yo, you guys providing more insight for helping us stay out than the people that are outside that are, you know, that actually have the actual knowledge to give us. And you're inside with me, you know? So mm -hmm. a lot of my, a lot of my, a lot of my support was from peers, you know, locked up peers. And, and, you know, you got your crowds, you know, you guys know, like you got crowds, you got people that's, that's doing them and you got people that's want to go home you know mm -hmm. and then i was inclined to be with the people that wanted to go home because like i'm not i'm not trying to be here 50 years old i'm not trying to you know i'm not trying to do none of that like you know i always i always was one to listen to, to to my older my older um my older peers to what they had to say like you know especially mm -hmm. if they were telling me something like to change because you got people that's in there that's just older peers that's telling people how to come back but, sure. but like and you know leading crash dummies and you got people that's telling you how to stay out and i'm inclined sure. to listen to them because you know what's going on you fighting your for your life in here there's people i was in there with people life but he like it, it, never give another fight i'm coming home i'm gonna be right. back home you know right and i that's think the i think there's, I, needed around. I think there's people that are i think most people you know even the ones that are in their 50s and, st and are still inside they don't want to be there but there's an old turn of phrase right like being caught up right like i'm caught up like the, the statement itself implies that you have no power. But but when someone's in that mind frame, like, you know, this is just how it is. This is this is how I was raised. This is the environment that I was raised in. And this is what I know. And they're not willing to challenge those beliefs. That's when they are, in fact, caught up and stuck. And so, yeah. you know, I, I want to commend you for challenging that. I know that, uh, you know, you were you're raised in an, in an environment and, you know, subjected to the foster care system, which which I've heard before is in many ways an extension of like a punishment model of prison. 
um, and you fought through all of those negative beliefs and you and you made a new decision for yourself. And that's commendable. Thank you. Thank you. And what about reentry, Elgin? Like what is what have been some of the biggest challenges? Uh, you've been out for three years now? Yes. So what have been some uh, of the challenges of uh, being a justice involved person out here, whether it's uh, housing man. or <laughs> Yo, like trying to get a job that's not a dishwasher or a janitor, <laughs> like bro, like I um, in my resume and every one of my resumes, I fluently, I'm I, I let them know I'm very um computer frequent. I'm I know what's going on with Microsoft Excel, PowerPoint, Word, everything. I'm I'm fluent in it, and like I've always been turned down. You know, like I I keep getting turned down. It's just basic jobs, housing. Like if you're not if you're not a single mother, like, I'm sorry to say, like, it's, they don't really have things for fathers, just like, you know, housing and shit like that. We really got to go through the mud. They, they should, they telling us like, Hey, go stay in the shelter. <laughs> go, you want to, you want some housing, go stay in the shelter and um, hope for a bed. And then we could try to see what you get you in this family program. It's really, it's really kind of like, it's been, it's, it's been like, it's been a process. It was been, a, it was a process for me to get everything, the ball rolling. I would say within the last, I, everything got going, really going within the past year and a half for me. It's like mm. stable and everything. So I'm freshly adjusting to how I want to be, you know, as opposed to where I was just trying to survive. And and there's just a, another example of some of the, the extension of uh, like a cultural dialogue about justice-involved people, about what we're capable of, about what we deserve, Right. I mean, if you think about it, I think it's in the, the California Appeal Code like 666 times that the purpose of prison is to punish people who do wrong. And I think that's something that's you know sadly deeply ingrained within the psyche of, of many Americans. And, you know, what can we do? What can we do but our very best to show that, you know, we are contrite for the crimes we've committed, uh, remorseful and, and willing to do something positive in our community. And not only that we're willing to do it, but that we're capable that we're capable. I mean, look at, look at all of the talents that you have. And I'm not just talking about your impersonations. I mean, you're, you're, you're participating in a program that requires four hours a night, five days a week while raising two daughters by yourself. Like that's, that takes an, an amazing and extraordinary amount of grit, resilience, um, and, and, and ability. So it's just, it's just refreshing to know that we're in this work to really equip individuals like yourself. The one thing that you haven't had, which is an opportunity. An opportunity. So. Absolutely. You know, Elgin, I was thinking the other day, uh, it was last night on our, in Ready for Life, uh, a couple of us got emotional. It seems like in the last three months, at least everybody's got emotional at least once. And uh, I was thinking, what about Elgin? When, when, did, when was the last time he got emotional? And not that anybody has to, yeah. not that you have to, but there's been that moment with almost everybody. And my question is, like, have you had that moment or what was that moment that, you know, hit your heart or something that was said or stuck out to you? Um, honestly, I, I, don't, I don't know if we can mention our colleague, our name, our colleagues names on here, but I don't know if we can. But Katie, I listened to Katie's story and, you know, just hearing her and, how, and the things that she went through and how she's bouncing back as a person and making a commitment to just do this. Like that's awesome, bro. Like it's no like there's no excuse. There's no excuse for any anybody. Everybody has a chance. There's the flip side of the coin for everybody, you know. And it is just 
you know, it's just us wanting to turn over that new leaf. It starts with us, with with us, you know. But when she explained her story and the story with her kids and stuff, it was like, yo, like I didn't really show it. Like I think I may have turned my camera off for a second. I was just sitting here like, well, like wow, like just because like you know, I I thought I had it rough coming up and a rough coming up, but it's it's other it's other people that's going through it way worse, you know, and they still come to do this, you know, and try to do this to get their life right, you know. So that's. That entire, that entire, just the idea of that is just touching itself. Yeah, it's dope. What, what about your experience with the leadership contract? Would you be willing to share a little bit? Oh, I, um, I love me personally. I don't know if y'all seen how like juiced and when I was like, yo, I'm ready to do this now. Like, I didn't even mm-hmm. need to write it down. Like, yo, because I've always wanted because it feel like I've never been, I haven't been in a space where I can just express how like, yo, what I, how I went through shit and how I feel about it. And y'all gave me the floor to do that, you know, and and I, where I could be myself and not be judged because I'm sitting around people that just just like me, you know, that's just like me and been through this yeah. stuff and been look been judged and all of this stuff. So just being able to bear my soul, that felt like it was like really like after that, my shoulders kind of like like you know, <laughs> like they dropped down, like you know, and it was and I felt everybody had everybody had was genuinely supportive, everybody had had genuine um, opinions, you know, and and I loved it. That's dope. One of the things I wanted to ask you was what, what about, you know, there's a, it's a multifaceted program. You know, you have the leadership development part, the digital literacy part, the financial literacy part. I know that you're on LinkedIn learning and uh, going after various certifications, diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, different professional workplace skills. And what has been the most impactful part of the ready for life program for you so far? Uh, the, the, honestly, the, um, I think believe the guy that just left Roger. Um, yeah, that like they're just learning about. I'm I'm really I, I've been studying this um, on the geometrics. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, I've been on that. Geometrics. And yeah, yeah. So I think that right there can be like that might right there might be the X factor to what I'm trying mm-hmm. to unlock in life. You know, just having the that digital having, literacy. Yes, the digital literacy. Yes, exactly. That That's may right. be the key factor because everything we we're, we live in a time route right now. Like, look at cryptocurrency right now. Mm-hmm. It's 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 crazy right now. Like you know, so mm-hmm. we live in a time where everything is going to be digital pretty soon anyway. So if it's not already, so that right there is the key. I feel, and that's been the most thing that I that's been the most for me, like exclusively. So that's awesome. Yeah, the digital age, the infor- mm-hmm. the age of information. And who yeah. can get it out fastest? When you think about companies like Sears, they can't even exist anymore. As Amazon right. just out. And and if you want to stay caught up, and that's one of the that's some of the thinking behind the scenes with with Jason and other of our directors is that you know justice involved people. We need to have that digital literacy in place, whether it's learning like what you talked about earlier, you know Google Suite or Microsoft Suite, and to be literate. Uh, with those because the, the person who says like, well, I don't know how to use a cell phone or I don't really know, you know, how to how to open up an email or write an email. I mean, I didn't know how to write an email. I had never written an email two years, five months ago um, and um, never used uh, PowerPoint. And and to see like Jason, I always I'm always like saying this guy creates some awesome PowerPoints. He write, he does our pitch decks and business plans and just coming from knowing knowing him in there to all of a sudden coming out here and then having the ability to design 
having the ability to, to create, having the ability to write, having the ability to put it all together. Uh, anybody, it's anybody could do it. It just takes a little bit of learning, right, Jay? Well, I th- yeah, I think that you're spot on. It's 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 not really about ability. It's about willingness, right? Like, and I think <clears throat> that willingness. I don't think I know that willingness can only be found between your ears, right? Like, like we come out of institutions where there's not a lot of resource, there's not a lot of programming or opportunities to to gain training, right? But there is also things you can do. They have college, they have books you can read, right? And they have, there's different resources you can make the most of. The same is true out here. So if if I come out of incarceration and I'm telling myself, oh, you know, I was in for 20 years, I don't know technology, so I'm at a disadvantage. If I'm telling myself that story, then I'm not going to have a a posture of learning. But if I say, wow, I'm finally free. I have a a freaking Mac computer here that my wife gifted me with and I have a, a smartphone. Okay, what what do I need to know to do what I want to do? Like right. that type of attitude right. is gonna is gonna produce different results, right? And so, like, and and, and I, I kind of found it like when I was locked up, I was really uh, I was around a few people that was like that. Like, yo, like what do you do? Like, you know, you know, it's phones in there. You know, it's phone. Everybody knows phones mm-hmm. in there. But mm-hmm. like, a couple of dudes really didn't know what to do, and I was like. I'm showing, but it's like, wow, it's really like that. And we've really got to be up to par with that, you know, because everything is changing. That's that's that, real talk. That sounds like a business idea right there. Maybe uh, for the for the elderly or something like that, uh, setting up classes and getting paid. Yeah. All right. I want to throw this out there because I have evidence. I have evidence, undeniable evidence right now that the key word to success in anything, not just digital literacy, but it's, it's having an attitude of curiosity. And my evidence comes in the form of my two and a half year old son. So we have one of those little Android tablets, right? Mm-hmm. And I installed like some learning games on it. I'm not exaggerating three days. And that kid is swiping, choosing, and he's a two and a half years old. He can barely string like complete sentences together, but he, he is more digitally literate today than I was the day I walked out of prison. <laughs> hey, I just got my daughter, my oldest daughter. I just got her a tablet. She knows how to get to a, a, a learning games. She knows how to get to kids' YouTube. And I was like, whoa. And she barely can talk. She can say stay, stay stuff, but I'll be like, what are you saying? Like, I don't know. What you, but right. she, but that tablet, she knows what she's doing there. She knows how to turn the volume up. I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And and it, and I'm and I'm asserting that it comes from our children having this this curious mind frame, like they want to figure stuff out, they want to right. know how it works. Like, what is this, Daddy? And what is this? And and because they have that that attitude, which we all have the ability to cultivate, they learn. Yeah, that, but, yeah. right. That creativity as well. Like uh, I think about your son Jax. I mean, uh, two and a half years old. Two and a half years old. And 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 when you went to the Bay Area a, a few weeks ago. And uh, I was there at your house with Jax, and I'm, and uh, we were. I was showing him uh, what's that song, uh, Baby Shark, <laughs> Baby Shark. McDonald <laughs> had a farm on YouTube, and I remember getting a text. And you know how the text notification comes down at the bottom mm-hmm. of the phone during Baby Shark, and then all of a sudden Jax just went, like he got rid of it. Out of there because it was interrupting his video, and I'm like, wow, you know, I didn't know how to do that. So a lot of times you hear you know, that, that a lot of your learning is that first five years. And if, and if they're learning on a whole nother creative level, you know, uh, 
I just can imagine what's possible, especially in, in, in this future age. You know, uh, the, the next thing I wanted to talk about with you, Elgin, is our tagline is working together to restore lives and heal communities. Mm-hmm. Working together to re- restore lives and heal communities. And um, we're coming to a point where, you know, we're restructuring that to working together to transform lives and heal communities. And um, both of those things have gone on in our program. And I just wanted to talk about the community that we've built through Zoom. And Jason just had the opportunity to meet with most of the Are Ready for Life cohort the other day. And um, I'm not I don't I'm not I'm not sure if you're able to make it or not. But the community that has has been built there over the last three months uh, has come across for me as um, one of the most powerful things that I've experienced with the most diverse uh, group of people that I've experienced. And I wanted to get your thoughts on on the community that that you're a part of there in the Ready for Life uh, virtual pilot signature program. Oh, man. I think, um, I don't know, this is a little bit off topic, but I think the word community was formed with communications and unity, and they put that word together. And But, <laughs> but I, uh, bro, like, when it's community, when, it's, when I say community, it's, it's not over-exaggeration. Like, it's a real community of people that are helpful. Y'all become like a second family to me, in a way. It's like, um, even like a prime example, I was, um, I believe, probably like a month or Almost two months ago, I was I was in a in a bind. I think I was waiting first for first payment from um, Ready for Life, but I was in a bind with my kids. I didn't have no diapers. I didn't have some food. I was lacking on a lot of stuff. And I um I mentioned it in a Slack. I think I mentioned it. I didn't even. I don't think I was asking for anything. I don't think I asked for anything at all. I think I was like, Yo, there's no when the stuff is coming because um I'm kind of lacking on diapers and stuff like that. The first, I think one of the first response I believe I got was from you or Elizabeth. And it was like, what's your cash app? I was like, whoa, like, yo, like, and then once that happens, it was a bunch of answers, a bunch of answers. I got a bunch of answers like, yo, your cash app, uh, Richard, Jason, um, I believe Roxy, a bunch of people. It was just like, yo, here, yeah. I understand. Claudine, I was like, yo, you need to come get kids clothes. And I didn't, it was, it was unexpected because I wasn't even, you know, I wasn't even asking like that. I was just trying to find out when I can, you know, cause I was like, okay, I could, I could get by, but I'm like, it's getting hectic, but I wouldn't even ask like that. And the, uh, the outpour of support I, re- I received was like unexpected. I did not expect it at all. And I'm forever grateful for that. And it was just like, yo, this is like this is the kind of this is the kind of world that this needs to be like you know like this is the kind of place that we need to like turn the world into because I I, I man I, I I don't I'm getting kind of just kind of touched up worked up talking about it because I like yo that that really helped me out and it was so unexpected I haven't known anybody here for like even a year yet a full year but willing to reach out and help me in a, in a time of need and help my kids in a time of need, that was probably the biggest thing that I could, that, is, that happened to me this year, you know? Like, that was probably the biggest thing I can say that happened to me this year because it was so unexpected and it was it was coming from a place of generosity. It wasn't no judgment, no nothing like that. Yo, we've been here. It was like, yo, we've been here. Then I, then I got put on with furniture. I furnished my, we have a, I have a kitchen table. I have a whole entire new bedroom now, you know? It's like, yo, like, and, I, and if, if and if I didn't sign up or inquire about about the program, I wouldn't even have found out what type of people you guys are all were, and I'm forever grateful. That's, and I want to 
I want to say something to that. I mean, it was Elizabeth who reached out to you first. And that's one of the things that we did with our new knowledge of technology. We created a Slack channel for our Ready for Life associates, our, our crop organization team, those who are, are partnering with us. And so in all the different channels, the ability is the ability to reach out to one another in a community, in a digital community, right? And I remember you sharing that, you know, like uh, when is that? When is the you know uh, the the funds gonna drop or, or you know it was yeah. probably close to the date or on the date and Elizabeth yeah. reaching out and Roxy reaching out and, yeah. and Ted. I didn't even yeah like I didn't <laughs> I didn't even I think Ted called me from the mountains or somewhere it was like yo I don't know where he was at but he called me like he called my phone like okay well um it's your cash app like well I'm like yo like thanks thanks so much dude like I was able to fill my house up with groceries and diapers and stuff for the kids. So it was That's right there. I think I think uh, one of the and I don't think I know one of the most profound lessons I learned uh, was the old African proverb about if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with others. And it's it's so profound to me because like for a lot of my life, I was thinking that I was taking care of what I needed to take care of for me. And I was going fast, but I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't going anywhere. And I think that's probably true for a lot of us when we were in some of those old ways of thinking, whether it was like fast money or I'm going to do me and I'm going to take care of me. I don't have to worry about anything but myself. Like we were in a mindset of going fast, like we're going fast. Like, well, I got to make the next move or I'll make the next move, but you're not going anywhere mm -hmm. except prison, except prison. Right. Or, or, you know, worst case scenario, six feet deep. But when you, but when you really uh, dial in and let it penetrate your heart, the value of going with others, that's when we go far. It's together. It's together. I, I used to liken my moves, like what I was doing on the street. I used to liken it to when I, when I was just running wild. I was just running on a treadmill because mm. you're going to fall. First off, at some point, you just run on the treadmill. You're not going nowhere. And you keep trying to pick up the space. You're going to fall. You're mm. going to fall. You're going to go down. You're going to go down. And that's what I, that's, that's what I look, looked at how I was living. I was just on a treadmill. Nobody was, wins in that game. I wasn't going nowhere. I wasn't going. I thought I was doing something. I thought that's I was doing something, analogy. but then I fought. <laughs> Jail time. That's, Jail that's time. a great analogy. That's a great analogy. There you go. And, 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 and an add-on an add to that is that, like, one of the analogies we use today mm -hmm. is the bus analogy, right? Is the first thing we do is we make sure we got the right people on the bus, mm -hmm. and then we make sure the right people are in the right seats on the bus. And I just want to say that I'm super proud to have you on the bus with us Man, because awesome. we have direction and purpose, and, 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 and you add so much value to what we do. Uh, yeah, man, I'm so glad to be on the bus, man. I got an exclusive Clipper card to get on your house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a quote uh, by one of my favorite leadership teachers, and it says, uh, John Maxwell, he said, uh, people don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. And, um, you know, I always say that when we're on the inside, I had to get free on the inside before I could get free out here. And now that we've been free out here, there's a lot of support. Crop organization has a lot of support. A minute ago, you talked about, you know, some house furnishings, you know, the bedroom set. And, sure. and I think about the person who 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 reached out in that way, him, him and his wife, Rob and Terry McClurg. Yes, Rob and Terry. And they they were instrumental early on while we were still incarcerated. Uh, we have a book. You can see it behind me over here. It's called Men Built for Others. And uh 
and uh, we wrote it while we were on the inside. It's available on Amazon. Cheap plug. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's an amazing book. Nobody's ever nobody's ever read that book without saying uh, uh, it's been a powerful transformational experience for them and tearful and emotional. But Rob, we talk about Rob and how he inspired us at the back of that book. And he has remained our friend since he's been free. And him and his wife do some work in the furniture business. And he reaches out and says, hey, if any of you know, you have any friends that are just as involved, we'd like to bless them with, with some furniture. Uh, you know, let me give me a wish list of what people need for free and we'll deliver it. And they live in Monterey. And uh, what was that? I put it on the Slack channel and Algin says, hey, I need a few things for my daughters. And I tell Rob and then he reaches out to you and then he ends up visiting you. What was that like, Al? Twice. Uh, they came twice because they came back and brought something else. Um, oh man, it was dope. They were really down to earth people. They were really cool people. I, um, <laughs> I, um, I walked out. I tried to give Rob like you know the firm normal handshake. He pulled me in for the bro hug, like everything. <laughs> so it was everything. They was cool. Terry was that really down to earth. And then I found out. I found out that they're um. One of them was from East Palo Alto or something like that. So they knew a couple of our families, uh, extended family members and stuff like that. And they were really cool. Really cool. They seemed like it, it was like they really were happy to be doing it. It was like it wasn't like a problem that they even drove all the way from Monterey. It was you can even tell with their attitude and then how they were carrying themselves. And it just goes to show once again, just like, you know, just you never know who's there and wants to help. You know? Absolutely. What do you got, Jay? So I, I have a question. Uh, so this week, we, in our personal leadership development, we're talking about vision. And I'm curious for you, Elgin, what is your vision at the end of this program and five years from now? Well, at the end of this program, my uh, vision is to be, first off, IC3 Digital Certified. I've been taking some time to study that because I'm trying to just get that. And then once I get the, um, once we've been studying the practice test in class, I feel like I, I can really ace it. So that's one of, that's my vision for the end of this. And within five years, I just want to be in a nice, like um, I heard about a ninety thousand a year job yesterday in class, man. And I'm um, I'm really, I'm really interested and intrigued by that. So um, like that's about I think about in five years, that's what I want to be doing on a well-planned paying job for my family involved in tech. And um, I don't want to be living. I actually I don't want to live in Cali anymore. Mm. So I'm um, I'm thinking I'm, I'm thinking about moving to Arizona. Okay. So like yeah, in Arizona, within five years, Arizona. Uh, how first off the housing prices out there? I don't know if y'all know about the housing. <laughs> we getting robbed up here. Let's put oh, yeah. it that way. We it's tough in Cali. We getting Taxes robbed up here. So, but and it's and it's real nice down there. I've been down there a couple times this year, you know. And and but but that in five years I'm gonna be lived out there. Got my girls running around out somewhere, mm -hmm. doing something in the desert somewhere. I don't know, you know, but. It gets pretty hot in Arizona. Yeah, yes, it's good. But I live in Stockton right now. They, they, they okay. cousins. <laughs> <laughs> they cousins. <laughs> That's the truth. That's it's, the truth. It's like ninety-seven right now. It was eighty. It was it was eighty-seven at eleven p.m. last night. Like you know, oh, like, like you know. So, but <laughs> yeah, but then five years. That's why I'm, I'm gonna be out there with my family, just in just just living and and working. You know. That's great. That's great. But I do want to. I want to be in tech, though. I want to be in tech for sure. 
That's that's for sure because I'm I'm an avid gamer and that can open up so many doors for me in that in that world as well. So my stepsons are gamers, man, and uh, they 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 put in a lot of hours. They might average uh, at least eight hours a day, and yeah. uh, you know you're still doing it at 29, and um, yeah. and uh, so we got to test out, uh, get you. Uh, competing against them or working with them or something. Oh, man, it's, it's whatever, man. It's all good. What, what's, what's, your, what's your game of choice? Uh, Right now, I'm playing NBA 2K. I'm not NBA okay. 2K. I'm balling right now. But I, okay. I, I, t- I tend to go to Call of Duty. Uh, mm-hmm. I tend to go to Call of Duty and not a lot. If I feel like getting angry, I'll get on yeah. that. But <laughs> if not, but mainly just 2K wow. or some wrestling or something. Well, I've seen uh, the 2K tournaments on TV – where yeah. the prize is like you know three hundred thousand dollars or something. So yeah, uh, that's what I tell my stepson. Hey, you know you're getting to the age where if you're going to put in that many hours, you know, uh, find out a way to monetize. Yeah, find that. out, yeah, find out a way to get some money for it. <laughs> no. I, yeah. At first he was like, oh, you got a podcast, and and I'm like, hey, look, we got nine hundred forty-one subscribers on YouTube. Uh, uh, you know, and there, uh, with uh, what fifty-nine more will become creators and able to monetize and able to step into that and do yeah. ads. And we've learned a lot in the last two and a half years. But um, so now he's like, oh, you said, you, you know, said 52 more subscribers. Yeah, 52 more subscribers. I'm going to push the word out. I'm going to get that Thank done. You. I'm going to help, help, help this get achieved. Thank you. And uh, my point is, is that in, when they don't just play, but find a way to use it, record your stuff. So I got him a microphone mm-hmm. and the, the camera and, um, and, you know, I'm just trying to inspire him right now. He's 17 years old, Mateo, the youngest. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I think he's really good. It's a so. future. It's a future for that. It's a future for him. And that uh, it's, it's kids. I'm, 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 if he watches YouTube, you look at the streamers, there's people supporting their whole family off streaming videos, Yeah, streaming videos, you know? So yep. I know, look, I know this is a little bit off topic, but I have to confess my my son Jacks right now he's he's into race cars, oh yeah. And so so I went to YouTube and mm-hmm. it shows like people playing. It's I think it's GTA, but they're like oh, yeah. racing like, and that stuff is gripping. It's <laughs> gripping. I'm like, this is interesting. <laughs> Just watching yeah. people play video games. Yeah. And then, you know, initially I was like, you know, who would want to watch other people play video games? Like I don't mind playing, but why would? I, but I'm watching them like, man, this is actually interesting. This is my genetics. I've been since five years old. When my mom yeah. used to go to work late night in our, in our graveyard ship. I'm waking mm-hmm. up. PlayStation. Here we go. <laughs> you know, two in the morning. <laughs> two in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't do, I can't quite do that no more. You know, I got the little ones. That, so that's over. Mm-hmm. They, be up, they up at seven in the morning. So I got to get sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Well, Elgin, uh, I love hearing your story, brother. And I, and I will say it again. You know, I admire the work you're doing as a dad mm-hmm. and um, and the work that you're doing every night, four hours a night and ready for life. I see you in that. Um, you know, uh, there's a there's a there's a quote comes to my mind right now. It says, see a person as they could be. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of that with those limiting ideas of, oh, he was incarcerated before. Oh, he was in foster care before. Oh, he's a single dad. You know, how will he do it? Forget all that. Don't think of the ways that I can. Mm-hmm. Think of the ways that I can. I will. Mm-hmm. How will I? When will I? And mm-hmm. uh, I see you in that 90000 a year job, wherever you want to do and beyond. 
and beyond. Everything builds upon everything. All the all the continued learning, the LinkedIn learning, um, the IC3. You know, at my 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 boss told me that when I first got out, I was stressed in the first like three months trying to learn new technology, and and he told me three months from now that stuff will be easy for you. Three months for you, I'll have this same conversation with you and it'll be easy. And three months later, it was. And now things that are that are hard to some are I'm going at, at a fast speed and I want to get faster and learn. So I just want to encourage you. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for coming on the prison post. You know, I'll leave you and Jay if you have any closing words. I would like to ask you with with, with, with a minute or two, Elgin, there will be future people that go through our Ready for Life program. And they'll probably watch the podcast and see the Ready for Life Associates, the first cohort, you know, the originals, the the, the positive OGs, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're, they're, they're yeah. the originals. And, um, and what would you say to them, casting vision for their future? What would you say to them about Ready for Life? Oh, man. Ready for Life is, is, is what you make of it. If what you're going to put in it is what you're going to get out of it. If you come, if you come, if you come, as long as you come with the willingness to change and an open mind, it's going to come to you. It's going to come to you. It's okay. Sometimes we'd be so stagnated in one frame of mind, we're afraid to expand. You got to expand and open that mind up, man. That's right. Jay, closing words. A few weeks ago, Elgin did his leadership contract, and I just want to declare it for the world that he is uh, living into himself being a selfless, affectionate, and trust, trustworthy leader of his own life. And uh, I just want to share, share with you how much I appreciate you, your commitment to your daughters, to yourself, to your future, um, and to, to being a real pillar in this community that we're building. So thank you so much, Elgin. I appreciate you, man. I'm, uh, thank you all for having me. And I, um, I can't wait for two hours from now. See you all again. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, thank you again, Algin. This has been another episode of The Prison Post. Uh, overall episode number 51, number 34 with the video. Uh, I want to thank Nate Darling and uh, Darling New Media for, for helping us out in all the ways that he does. If you want to start a podcast, you can reach out to him to learn more about Ready for Life, crop organization, digital literacy, financial literacy, jobs and business-to-business -business sales in tech, and leadership development training. That's what we do. Look us up at croporganization.org. And uh, and please hit that subscribe button, that red subscribe button on uh, on YouTube. It's not hard. Hit it. Watch a show. I guarantee you'll be inspired. And uh, look forward to the next episode. We'll see you there. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Prison Post, a production of the Crop Organization. We'll be sharing more stories from the world of prison reform and restorative justice. So please join us. You can listen to the Prison Post on all major podcasting platforms. Subscribe to our video cast on YouTube and like us on Facebook at The Prison Post and at Creating Restorative Opportunities and Programs.